Bills and Belly. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 503. Jason Lingren is with me and Dylan Sicoccio returns. I'll list out the episodes Dylan's been on with us as we get in here. We're going to talk about a whole host of things. There's never a shortage when Dylan's on, but anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a very beautiful good morning. All right. The ideas we're going to cover. Look, I want to say this up front. All the researchers out in the world are doing a thing which I think is beneficial. They're challenging the mainstream nonsense. We all know that the world history that is in a textbook is bunk. It doesn't reflect things we can actually see in the world, and it acts like human beings have been here for, what, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, I'm making a joke there, but none of it works. And everybody's out there re-researching. And I think it's a real mistake for people who have contending ideas to get at each other. Uh, Wouldn't a better way to do that be that we're both looking for the same problem here? The mainstream is bunk. Anyhow, I'll put it out there. I think people with differing ideas should get together and focus on the differing ideas and offer what they can. But with that, I'm more than happy to welcome Dylan Sicoccio back. Welcome, Dylan. Thanks for having me. And I agree with you to a degree, but there is truth that can be discovered, right? And in my opinion, where I'm at is if you can't serve truth first, you can't serve God. So truth is the prerequisite. And there are things that are observable. And once you can prove them, that's when you can lock things down. And that's what will help you get to where you're getting, no matter what industry or matter what subject you're researching, whether it's all the stuff that's happened over the last years, whether it's the legal stuff, there are things that once you get there, you can say, okay, I know this is truth. This is an anchor for us. And so then you have to be mindful of, does somebody reject that basic truth? And when you can pin people down in yes or no questions and they still reject it, then you have someone who's lying or you've got something else going on. And that to me is what the biggest concern in this space is, regardless of the subject matter, you know? I guess I would offer that the mainstream has heard us there too, Dylan, because things like astronomy is an example. Well, look, we're, we've got a rover on Mars. We can observe this. <laughs> this is the truth. Look, that star right there, it's 200 million zillion gazillion light years away. We can observe and measure this. So, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but uh, we've been conditioned for so long with nonsense. I think it's going to take us a decade or two to come and level out and get back to some semblance of reason. And by the way, while we're doing that, everybody can see around the kind of bid for world control that's going on. We've got a lot to contend with right now. Did you say measure? You're going to need a (laughs) radius value for that, Crow. They're not measuring anything. They're calculating. And so that's, that's how I would stand in that truth to debunk that. They're not measuring. They're calculating. And there's no exchange of energy in the real world. They're going to need a radius value that you don't have to calculate the distance to Mars. Goodbye. There's no distance to Mars that you've figured out because you don't and have yet, Yeah, but you know, and yet this is the crux of the problem. There are those trusting souls that think that what's in a textbook was carefully put together for them and it's correct. And that's all the further they go. And this is the contention. These are the things that we've got to deal with and move beyond. And you know what I know, man, there are so many more so-called researchers in the world trying all, all trying to do basically the same thing. Um, we've been told a bunch of nonsense and we'd like to get down to something that's more reliable. But with that, I'm going to give the list, the long list of episodes you've been on with us before. Dylan has been here for episode 468, 459, 416, 338, 314, 279, and lastly, 
270. And with that, Dylan, I'm going to cue us up. We're going to jump into a topic near and dear to my heart, astronomy and calendars. I spend a lot of my life in these two areas. Awesome. Before we begin, can we just, can I offer something for your free and your uh, paid members? This is where my work is right oh, now. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have asked you that anyhow. Go ahead. No, that's my, okay. That's okay. I just want to, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to get it. No, no, no. I just want to get it out there because it, it's the first time in a long time that I've been able to offer like an item of value. That's win, win, win. Like the last time I used to be able to do that was with Amazon's matchbook. And I used to be able to give my eBooks for free to everybody who paid for the um, paperbacks. I can't do that anymore because I got rid of the program. But what I've been doing is all of my work, essentially, you know, book seven, if you will. Now it's all up on Substack at Great Tide. Uh, sorry, excuse me. I, I don't know it off the top. I think it's substack.greattide.com. doesn't matter. You can find, I'll give you a link that uh, people can find me, but here's the offer. For anybody who hears this, whether you're a free member or a paid member, doesn't matter whether you follow me on anything, doesn't matter. If you're interested in what I'm up to now and getting a free paid membership for one month so you can have access to the last three months of uh, posts that I've done, research, and then the next month that I have scheduled, just hit me up on Instagram. You'll send uh, my, my handle is at the Holy Sailors. Don't worry, I will provide a link in the show notes when this goes live so you can find everything there and just send me two messages. And the reason I'm doing this on the Instagram app is so I can keep track of it. And so I can copy and paste people's email into Substack so that I can just, it won't take me any time and it cuts you guys out from people sending you messages. So hit me up on Instagram. You'll send, send the first message crow. And then in a totally different message, you send just your email. No, Hey, how you doing? None of that. Just send your email. I'm not even going to read anything. I'm just going to copy and paste it. And then you'll get a welcome meal and have a welcome email and have access to the full archive of everything that I've been up to and everything that will be scheduled for the next month on Substack. And that's it's an opportunity for you to uh, get to know my work with no financial risk. And it's, uh, it's an opportunity for me to earn your business. All right. Perfect. So all the links will be in comments. I always forget to do that. Anyhow, I always remember at the end of the first hour, which is backwards. But anyhow, let's jump in. Let's pick up on astronomy and calendars. Great. So in the context with this, you know, this is, this is, a, this is what I wanted to part, impart to your listeners in case this is our last rodeo because I don't have any more books scheduled to come out. Um, generally, what I see in this space are tons of ideas about the ancient world, but most of them miss the mark because they don't look at like the things covered in the spirit world series, such as language, religion, superstitious rites, uh, but perhaps most important, is astronomy. And this has led to a lot of speculation and confusion. But one thing that nearly everyone agrees upon that you were kind of hinting at at the beginning is that the ancient world is a lot different than we've been led to believe. And while we can't quite piece together which cultures interacted with others yet due to the lack of inscriptions, because a lot of the time this um, diffusion was occurring before the existence of the written word, letters, right? And so cultures with corresponding mythology have been passed off as history. And so that's been another thing that's uh, difficult to decipher. And one of the things that will ultimately enable historians to excel in this study of, uh, is the study of astronomy and astrology. For in that is a language and in that you can use it to like date things. And perhaps it, if, if you, for those who recognize we're in a creation, 
perhaps the oldest written language that we have is the stars. And they're called the fixed stars because they don't move and go off and do their own thing. They move in unison, which is why the serpent or the snake has been a, a symbol of the cosmos because when it moves, its scales, its shiny scales, just like the stars, move with it in unison. They don't go off in different directions. And so that's one of the reasons um, my work excelled is because I latched on to this early on. And what I, what um, we, in our last episodes, we talked about the Phoenicians and all this other stuff, because there are things that I found in Mexico that cannot be explained unless they have uh, interactions with some of these cultures. And this is one of the things we have to put on the table because we, we've talked about it with the Greek poetry and why it syncs up with English. This stuff that I'm, we're about to go into is almost so incredible that it either, like when I first started coming across it, I thought it was like maybe like whitewashing of history, right? But then I started getting the accounts from actual natives. And so at the very least, they believe some of this shit. So it's like, we have a choice to think that either these, some of these accounts are legitimate and there is 100% cultural diffusion or everything is in the scope of the forgeries that people like Del Mar and all that stuff focused on and everything we're about to go into, it could all be forgery. But if it's not, and it's legit, we'll have to think about what are the ramifications. I don't think people have an idea of the scope of forgery. And Del Mar, as you point out in his book, The Worship of Augustus Caesar, he IDs some places like, what's he call it? The what, what's the uh, the Holy Catholic? What, do you remember the name of the one place that the college? Sacred Latin College. Yeah, the Sacred Latin College. He pins a couple places with just typical forgery, which would be taking a, a historical narrative and changing it or existing documents, say written by a guy named Cicero or Cicero, if you want to call it that, and removing parts that you don't want in or maybe adding other parts. But let's talk about that for a second, because he goes into like, isn't there a part where he says that the Roman people knew they were trying to jack up the calendar and they didn't want it. So they put a calendar in marble and started pounding iron spikes into it. And it still got forged. It still got changed. Um, and he does a lot, a lot of work showing different marbles here and there that have been rechiseled. Basically, that's the way I take it. Isn't that the way you take it? That someone rechiseled it to uh, to scrub information. Yeah, I've, I've heard some of that stuff, but I don't really see it in um, like it's not like anybody in the modern world is presenting us these artifacts. Like, hey, look at this marble statue. Did you know that at one time it was of this person and they reforged? You know, like there's I see the claims. But I'm not. Uh, I've never had access to see the chisel marks and like how they did it. You know what I mean. So it's hard for me to latch on to that. Well, he's identifying things. We some of the things he identifies we've never seen. Not even a picture, by the way. That's what I took when I was reading it. My main point is, according to people like that that were in the 1800s who probably had access to a lot of things we don't or at least not easily, he claimed like overwhelming forgery, like forgery at a level that you, that like for me, I knew it was there, but the scope of it maybe hadn't sunk in. It's, it's rampant how much the uh, Latin sacred college, the Vatican and places like that were able to scrub of things that we should have had access to. Yeah. And, and that may be true. I just haven't seen like physical, you know, it's funny. It's like sometimes, uh, you know how you have that, um, the crow, like, 
what are the, what do you do? Like the crow's laws. Uh, one of them that always sticks out with me. I don't share videos anymore is anything that can be filmed in high definition will be. And so anytime I see a video, that's not like modern looking, I'm just like, I don't trust it. I think that, you know, well, there's, there's a, there's a problem with crow's law of HD. As a matter of fact, it, it, it still has value, but not the value it once had because AI can make video that we can't detect has been faked. That's been utterly made from scratch. And so the ability of people to use high-tech tools to create or change video, it's not really easily detectable by us anymore. So unfortunately, Crow's yeah. Law of HD has some real limitations. It, hey, it held up for it held up for a good it, it was it held up for a while. And and it's not that's the point is just I have some of these things for like these uh types of standards for myself in research too. And one of them is kind of like if there's no physical world evidence, I just have to. It's it's cool to talk about because it could be it's got to be on the table if it's if the accounts are true. But if I can't prove it, you know, there's a lot of stuff I come across like that. That but there's nothing in the physical world to support it. So who knows? You know, like if I don't know anything about whoever wrote that, did he is he writing based on hearsay? You know, all that stuff. But well, Del Mar names it. He does name the things as he goes along. But your your case in point is taken. Like the marbles, I've never even seen pictures. And by the way, Crow's Law of HD holds up in the way you're using it here because if a thing exists in the world, then it should have been filmed in high definition. And what you're pointing out is I've never seen any film of that. So why should I even consider it? Maybe we need to bump it up to Crow's Law of 4K. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's going to have to be an AI component now. Part of the idea of Crow's Law which I used to talk about was if you know the source who and they're and you know they're absolutely trustable or you are the source then Crow's law of HD absolutely applies but the truth is is video can be forged at a level that we just cannot easily detect anymore I mean look look at the movie Gravity if you never had heard of Hollywood or anything else and they said, you know what? We go to space all the time. Here's some film we took of it. And they showed you the film Gravity. You'd be like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, basically. Yeah. It's, uh, the point being is for the audience, it has to be on the table that every, like I, the reason I don't get attached to anything is because at the beginning of my journey, when I started noticing some of the stuff that you guys noticed, I had to come to the terms with everything that I'm looking at. I may be making sense of forgeries. And that's cool because then at the end of the day, you'll at least see that I proved everything was a universal system of forgery rather than a universal system of cultural diffusion and an ancient universal empire. Either way, my work will help prove it one way or the other. And so back to, to get us back to what we were about to talk about is the most ancient year of the Mexicans who seemed to have had their original from some of the Eastern nations was also exactly 360 days. They divided their year into months, which they gave 20 days. Um, and when the 360 days are accomplished, the five days that remain make the year perfect, but they reckon them apart from the actual year, calling them days of nothing or dead days where they did nothing. On those days, they didn't make sacrifices, anything. And this is seen in other cultures that they ought not to have had diffusion with, according to the mosaic status quo history of everything. And those days are known as intercalary days. Now, the Roman year was also exactly 360 days. The ancient year of Egypt, Greece, uh, Lydia, and the Grecian colonies in Asia was also just 360 days. And um, 
This is proved from the riddle of Cleobulus, who, if real and dated properly, proves that there were 12 divisions of the year as far back as the 6th century BC. And he was uh, the tyrant of Lindus, a city of Rhodes. Um, and he's, he wrote, there is one father who has 12 children, and each of these has 60 daughters, 30 of them white and 30 of them black, all of them being immortal and yet mortal continually, by which all agree that the ancient year or the year is meant with its 12 months and each of their 30 days and 30 nights. Again, this is why we preface that. And I'm, is this real or is this forgery? You know, and that's going to have to be something for somebody else to prove, but it's there, you know. And how far back is this? Sixth century BC. And so that's long enough ago. Let, let me just ask you, do you accept any of the idea that there was a 10 month calendar or maybe even before that, an eight month calendar? I can't remember if we've talked about it, but I think my counter to that is just because we like, so the calendar of Romulus, it's super disjointed. It looks like three different calendars at a minimum, right? Like it starts, it, yes, there is 10 months, right? There is, it's, there's proof of 10 months, but that doesn't mean it was limited to 10 months. Um, and you have that addition, that termination of the Burr or Brit, the covenant, which if you were to spell it out in English would be B-R-E-T-H, it would look like Bereth, right? That means covenant. And so then it starts at seven, seventh covenant to the 10th covenant. However, if you look at the fifth and sixth months, it's just Quintilis and Sextilis, totally different format. And in the first couple months, four months, they're all based on like mythology and April who the hell knows? That's been one of the biggest mysteries ever is I'm not hundred percent, not satisfied with the etymologies of April. I think that's from somewhere. So, so a patchwork, it looks like a patch. It looks like a patchwork to me, but I could be wrong. I'm just saying like, so there's an idea of the year of confusion, but we have the same problem there. Right. So show me, you know, show me the evidence of the year of confusion other than somebody wrote this in the 1800s. But I, anyhow, it's neither here nor there. I just wanted to get a sense of it because we're back far enough where because there is an idea that the 12-month calendar was sometime in Rome. They switched it from a 10-month. There was a year of confusion. Del Mar tries to use things like the Olympics and other things to, to make his argument. But there are other claims that say before the 10-month, there was an 8-month. And on and on we go. So do we keep going back to a 4-month? And pretty soon, do we have one season year? But anyhow, I just was asking. So go ahead. Keep going where you were going. Well, no, that, that's. I'm glad you did, Crow, because... I hadn't put this in the notes, but think about this. What exactly did Herodotus, the father of history, or Thucydides, the father of scientific history, say about Rome? You tell me. Not one frigging word. And they existed in the 5th century BC. So you mean to tell me that no Greek historian considered the father of history, the father and the other one? who, you know, Thucydides had some things to say about Herodotus that wasn't flattering, right, in terms of his methods. Not Neither of them, existing almost a century apart, but in the fifth century, had anything to say about Rome. And this goes back to what why my work is so significant, is I'm uncovering, I think a lot of this is not, I think history, we're looking at the cover-up of a, a, a way different empire. So, so Crow's Law of HD via the, the quill pen. <laughs> right that's basically what we're talking about here was a yeah they've got no they've got no high definition yeah, video there of, uh, there's no, well, this, this is a problem with people like josephus 
which a lot of work has been shown to, to mention that he's a fraud or that he was propping up this and that. But the, these problems, you know, these problems exist in a few places where uh, with Jesus, people keep, well, this guy was alive. How come he didn't write anything about Jesus? It, and in a way, it is a bit like the law of HD, isn't it? Uh, if truly they were a world historian, you think they might mention something like Rome. Yes. And so, I mean, th- this is this is where where um really I have been. This is why I expose this, because, I mean, you want to talk about Greek writers. You don't even have a Greek writer mentioning Moses before the third century AD. It's so problematic, though. You know, if censorship is real or, you know, it got lost is, is a big one for, for writings of that time. Anyhow, go ahead. Well, that's why you look at languages. And so that, that you can, even if somebody's lying, as long as the document is authentic, the language will betray certain things, right? And if it's historical, you can date certain things just based on language knowing what people did, assuming you have things to reference. Um, certain languages, you don't have anything to reference. So it's all on hearsay. But th- this is why um, what I'm doing and what we're talking about right now is so important is because when you look just a few shades beneath the surface of the status quo and everything they've told you, not a damn th- They don't know their ass from their elbow. They don't know anything. They don't know how to date anything. None of the stuff that they're so certain about is actually certain. And the reason this is so important is because you see this in every industry. We just went three years of them saying, trust the science. And you say, well, what's the first step of the scientific method? And they can't even answer that it's to observe a natural phenomenon. And then you say, well, what natural phenomenon did you observe in that laboratory? That's right. So there's not even the first step of science being done. There's not even the first step of like the same thing with history. These people have not, they're guessing. They've told us that Latin descends from Greek, that yet when you look at the oldest uh, abacadarium, which is like the, the alphabet, the, it doesn't mean they used it, but the, the letters available to it, the oldest Greek one is also in Italy, which is Marsiliana tablet, which is Etruscan. And they are presuming that because it lines up with the letters that they must have gotten it from the Greek. Not that the fact that, hey, it might have just come straight from the Phoenicians, since that's who the Etruscans descended from, and that's who the Romans descended from. I'm sorry, but didn't the Reverend Robert Taylor kind of back up what you're saying when he went at at the first New Testament? He's saying poppycock. The Vatican said, hey, man, New Testament is in Greek, but unfortunately we lost the original, but here's a perfect copy. We have a perfect copy. And the Reverend Robert Taylor said, BS, this was written in Latin the first time. They forged the Greek version. And then he goes and does, you know, what he does with language and other things to back up his idea. So he he is basically saying of the New Testament of all things, what you're saying. Yeah. And he he also exposed that Zupater, Zeus the father, comes from Jupater, not the other way around. But he does, he didn't go into like what I'm going into. But he, he, it's there. That's why. That's what he's the one that got me. Like him, uh, Archbishop Richard Trench. There's a lot of people that got me on the language because I realized, holy shit, everything is in the language if the language still exists in some way. And so to get back on that, the astronomy and stuff. So Muhammad is attributed going back to that 360 day year. Muhammad is attributed to destroying the idols at Mecca. And if you look deeper into that, there was 360 of them corresponding to the same mistaken days of the year that the universally connected priest class made in cultures worldwide. 
which corroborates the symbolism of Muhammad pertaining to a solar cycle of the new era. So let's just zero there for a second. In your view, and I found it too, there's, it's like the whole idea of a year. Well, why isn't it just 360, right? A circle's 360 degrees. This is the measurement we've chosen in base 10 to do what we do. And you know what I know. You see a saint, um, it's probably associated to a month. I think we'll probably be able to count 12 of them because we have 12 months or 12 stations of the sun. The zodiac on and on it goes. But when you come back around to it, do you feel like there was a worldwide calendar at some point that was 360? I don't know how anybody can share all of the same details and same mistakes and not be connected to each other unless the worst case scenario is true, that the whole thing that we're dealing with is all part of the forgery. Dylan, I'm worried that what you just said is true, but please continue. Yeah. No, you might be, Crow, because this is one of, so let me, I'll give you a question that could could destroy all of my arguments if, if it's not resolved. How come, so when the Spaniards came over here, all of the quadrupeds in South America are like, unlike anything they had ever seen, right? So instead of like sheep or lambs, they had llamas. How come nobody brought them back to Europe? So you mean to tell me that that cultures that trade in animals and stuff would not bring any animal, you know, animals back with them? And then the excuse is, well, maybe they died or maybe they couldn't bring enough back for it to be significant enough to last. Who knows? They brought potatoes. Yep. You got potatoes. Uh, We were talking with Christopher Gardner. He's talking about bamboo might be something to look at because, but I, you know, that's out of my wheelhouse, but like, if you can see like where bamboo is, then maybe that's a proof of people bringing it, which it would be, but can you date it? Can you, is there an account that you can back up what year that was or sometime what era? And that's another, that's another challengers. And so where, where a lot of this, like this, you know, if you look at kind of like the status quo, what they seem to believe is that around the time of the quote unquote deluge, the cycles were changed as a result of the catastrophe. Some people claim a comet, whatever, but they say that's why the year changed from 360 days to 365.2425, right? And in that, the moon lost a 70th, 70th part of each day while the sun gained it. Now, there may be something to this idea that indicates, you know, the diffusion of the system. Offer something. Yeah, go I for can it. offer something. I've done this a few times. And when I first did it, people said, you're just misremembering. And I thought, well, maybe they're right. Um, And then I always bring up uh, Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks doing the very thing that I remember being taught. Used to be, or I, let me rephrase that. I remember back in the 90s when I got my first robotic telescope, the one that discovered the lunar wave on accident, that the moon was a degree of sky. And you used your thumb at arm's length to cover up the moon. Now, currently, you're told, Use your pinky at arm's length. The moon, the full moon is half a degree of sky. But right now, tonight, everybody go out. And even if the moon's not fully lit, you can, in your mind's eye, you can see how big it would be. Put your pinky at arm's length and you'll realize the moon is nowhere near to covering the surface area of your entire pinky. What I am saying is I suspect the moon is getting smaller. The easy, the simplest answer to this And by the way, go look at the movie Apollo 13. It's bad advice, but go look at it twice, I believe. Tom Hanks, a supposed astronaut, supposedly going to the moon, uses his thumb 
to cover the moon. And it, in one way, he does it weird, like his arm is bent, so he's not doing it right. But I'm pretty sure he does it twice, confirming that I probably remember correctly. But here's the thing. What would be the easy solution for that? The easiest solution is somehow it's getting further away. If it's getting further away, then that would begin to kind of fit the idea, right? If it's further away, it takes longer to go around the circle, right? Yeah. So I'm just offering this out and it's neither here nor there, but it, it is one of these things that's been bothering me. Just yesterday, I was out looking at the moon saying, man, that thing is tiny. And then you're faced with the problem. Am I just an old stoner from the seventies misremembering? But there it is. Well, that's why it's so important. Like, you know, like what people do moving forward, it's like, well, you don't have access to the greatest measurements. So you now have the tools to measure. So even though we may never know, if people are interested, start measuring now, take meticulous detail now, record now. That way people in a thousand years have your work to now look at and say, yes, there has been an observable change or no, it's still the same. You know, like there's a bigger problem because if I'm correct, that means somehow it was censored. There must have been tons of magazines back when I was learning, or else how would I have learned that the moon, a full moon, was one degree of sky? How could I possibly have learned that? Because back in the day, how was I doing it? There was no internet in the 90s, per se, or at least I wasn't using it. It was not commonplace yet. Uh, I was using Sky and Telescope magazine, Astronomy magazine, almost entirely, and then other things published by NASA. So that would mean that for me to have learned one degree of sky, use your thumb at arm's length. And, and by the way, this is common. Your fist is five degrees. You, you do the Hawaii sign with the pinky. That's like 25 degrees or however it goes. These were standard measurements. People looked. As a matter of fact, you use these ideas to find the North Star. You can come off the two pointer stars of the Big Dipper with the Hawaii sign, thumb and pinky stretched out, and follow the pointers will lead you to Polaris, right? So these ideas had to have been written, if I am correct, and I am not misremembering, and Tom Hanks is backing me up here in his movie, that would mean that somehow uh, there was a scrub of all the places that was written. I guess that's the question. Where did you learn it? And if you can't tie that down, then- Astron Astronomy magazines, almost certainly. No, no, but if you, if you don't have the exact source, then that's, that. you know, it's kind of like how, um, remember the Mandela effect, like where it's like, it's a phenomena of the modern world because you don't, you, before the internet, you'd only see things like once, maybe twice, right? And then people would quote it and requote it. And so your literal ability to remember it is based on hearsay rather than what people have now, is they can just keep pulling it up and rewatching it on the internet and see exactly how it is. So without you being able to remember exactly where you saw it, then it's like it could be misremembering. It might not be, it might be a scrub, right? But that would be pretty terrifying. It shows the out of balanceness to me, what you're pointing out, because I do accept that there were 360 calendars and that creates a problem, right? Because even if the sun isn't being measured exactly, we know it's not an even 360, don't we? Right? It's 365 or it's, put it this way, it's more than 360, no matter how you slice it. But that in, a, in and of itself, from a spiritual standpoint, speaks to a world out of balance, doesn't it? No. So our, our year is no longer a 360. And think about how NASA talks about it. Why is this true? Well, because it's an ellipse, right? All the or orbits are ellipses and other ideas. 
that they come up with. To me, it seems like an out of balance thing. If it was a perfect circle, it should be 360 and yet it's not. Right. But I think the last time we talked, you corrected me because I said that the procession is a result of like the inconsistency or whatever of the sun. You're like, no, 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 no. The sun is perfect. Everything's consistent. It's part of the mechanism. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't conform to the way we would want to conceptualize it. They still knew to add the five intercalary days. That's the thing. So it's like they knew it wasn't a perfect 360 year. Right. I said that poorly. It is the clock. The clock is doing what the clock is supposed to do. Uh, I'm saying it reflects maybe spiritually where we currently are in this age of flux. Think of the Reverend Robert Taylor again. Do you remember what he said about the, uh, what do you call that cross that's on the Scottish flag, the weird shaped flattened X? Yes, it's called St. Andrew's cross. Okay, we'll call it St. Andrew's. And St. Andrew is the perfect example if anyone bothers to read the devil's pulpit because he owes the saltier cross. So the saltier cross is actually, according to the Reverend Robert Taylor, two so-called goniometers, like a compass, kind of brought back to back. And what it is measuring is the sun at the eclipse. In other words, he calculated that someday every day would be an equinox, some hundred thousand or whatever the reverend calculated out, a hundred or two hundred, I don't know what it was, long time, that X would be a flat line, meaning every day is now an equinox. Do you remember? Do you recall all that, Dylan? I don't remember that. I remember him saying that the angle it makes is the the declination of the sun at midday on the vernal equinox. Right, right. But I don't remember him saying it like uh, at some point there won't be a cross. Because that would mean he does. He did. Sun's not moving. No, what it means is the, is the the goniometer or that cross. He said they had historic records that he could show it was closing over time, and he calculated the rate at which it was closing. And again, I'm not saying that the sky clock is off. No, the sky clock is doing what it does. Consider this: if there truly is a golden age, would it be surprising to to you to learn that every day is an equinox in a golden age? perfect balance day and night all the time. That's basically what the Reverend Robert Taylor was pointing to from my point of view. So what he's saying is this saltier cross, which St. Andrew is holding, who is the brother of, do you remember who is the brother of? January. It's January. So he was the first of the year, St. Andrew, because he's in March where it should be at the spring equinox. His brother is whoever the hell the saint is in January. Of course, it's his brother because that's the new first of the year. So you can see the trickery and the calendar play. But what he's saying is saltier cross used to be this kind of an X. The X has closed over this much time and we can calculate it. And when I first read it, I started thinking and thinking. I thought for years, well, in my age research, I began to realize it makes perfect sense. If we do, in fact, come to a golden age where we have 100% of so-called virtue, wouldn't it be easy to accept the idea that every single day is an equinox in a golden age? Well, the rest of the world would be in hell or winter because if that, that ever happens, it means the sun is always at the hypothetical equator. Yes, but that also, but if, if we take into account ideas like the prog clock and other things, we don't know in a hundred thousand years, for all we know, where we're standing now will be frozen like Game of Thrones, right? Winter's coming. We don't know how long it's going to be. Um, I think that that's part of what the prog clock is showing. I can't prove it. Um, it's intuition, but is it possible that the whole 
landscape of where we are is bigger than we think it is. There are more land masses than we think there are. And certain areas are lit at certain times. And what gets left behind freezes and regenerates behind us. There's all these ideas, but I don't know. We can go back and read Reverend Robert Taylor's account of that because I think he begins to address that as well. I just don't remember. Yeah, it's something it's something to think about for sure. But at the end of the day, it'll still it doesn't matter if there's more land. You'll still at some point have to get to a boundary because we breathe pressurized air. And you can't have pressurized air without some sort of containment. And until that is known, that's a big question. Why are we in a contained system? So at some point there's gonna be a boundary, be it energe- energetically, be it uh like density related, whether you know what I mean, whatever it is, there's going to yeah, be some, been described. whatever yeah, that it's is, it's been described, right? right? It's been described, but it's, it's, it's been presupposed. Nobody's ever actually measured it, right? People presume atmosphere, but we don't experience gas taking the shape of a sphere. Gas fills the available volume, whatever that container is. So you don't know that it's a sphere. Nobody's ever measured the boundary. We don't know what it is. Some people presume that we're in I have an account that I can't talk about or the source of the account that is secondhand. I trust the source uh, that it was found and it's been found more than once and it's described as a dome from that point of view. But you're right. We, we live in a closed system. Until someone can demonstrate it, I don't really care about secret stuff because at, at this point, nobody's demonstrating anything. And that's what's led us here is because we live in a world where people don't go out in the real world and measure and do stuff anymore. You do. That's why you are irreplaceable in this space, but, right? Because you made you a have proof. gone out there and measured. You made a proof, Dylan. You pointed out a proof. Guess what? Something's got to be enclosing all this atmosphere or this stuff we call that it. is it. That's a fact. So that debunks the infinite plane. That's right. Or infinite whatever. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you know. So maybe maybe everything's way bigger. Yeah, for sure. But at some point, it's going to be like that infinite regression fallacy where it's like people find what if there was like more than one sun? Like you know, like how you've you've shown some of your footage. What if there's rings? What if the, what if the planets are suns, right? Or whatever, something like that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm just throwing shit out there. We don't know. And we have to be content to say, we don't know. And we will likely never figure out so long as we are being prevented from testing the boundaries, you know? Right. There are those who know, you know, the end of citizen Kane, regularly voted best movie of all time. They, they poke us in the eye. He says Rosebud. Exactly. And what does he do? He drops a snow globe. That's the idea of where we are. But what most people miss in that scene is the snow isn't in the snow globe. It's over the whole frame. In other words, he's in the snow globe as he dies. Yeah. And that's another thing. So the stars might not be a globe or a sphere, but whatever the boundary is, is kind of like that sphere shape. And that's creating that illusion that the stars are kind of bending or what. I don't know. There could be any... The possibilities are endless until we can get some actual freedom of movement. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just need to see, like, how do they know where the dome is? How far can they go up? You know, like, let's get that data or let's see the footage of whatever they're launching up there to see what test the limits. What if there is no boundary? Then how the hell is there gas? Or what else is going? There could be any number of things. And I'm happy to say I don't know. But there are certain things that I know that if you can't satisfy those, like, how do you get gas pressure? You know, all that stuff. There are certain things we can just root. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier in the beginning with serving truth. You don't have to know, but everything. But if you know certain things, 
you have to be able to get people to have the humility to concede that, yes, you're right. There is no scientific evidence of gas pressure existing without a containment barrier, right? If someone doesn't have the humility in the science world or anything else to just concede that basic fact, then that is a problem because they're lying. That to me is somebody that you can't be friends with and say, oh, we agree to disagree. No, that is a liar. And I'm here to route that trash out of this world. And I, it's my mission. And if I told only me, I don't care if I have to be conflict and break a couple eggs. I hate liars. It's one thing to be wrong. It's another thing to knowingly deceive people and steer them away from their connection to their creator and what this world is. And that's what these lab coat people have done. And we've allowed it. And I'm so I'm 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 putting my foot down now. No more liars for me. Have you noticed the upturn? I've been seeing a lot of references to, I always said Mickelson. I'm hearing people call him Michelson. So <laughs> yeah. maybe it, maybe I've been mispronouncing Michelson and Morley Mickel. I thought it was Mickelson. <laughs> Mickelson and Morley, those old tests, you know, from previous to Einstein's big show on the world stage, uh, those are becoming popular tests again. But what's more is people are showing that the Air Force and other places had already, you know, done the tests and found the same findings. Right. And, you know, and that's another thing they throw at us. Oh, Cavendish experiment. Those aren't experiments. You sh- your people are showing me stuff. Well, what, what's causing this? It's everything you're doing is man-made. If it's man-made, it's not natural phenomena. You know, so it's not a science experiment, you know, and that's one of the things. There's people, the root of it. They don't have the humility to just admit that. Just admit that you're not doing science. It's okay. It doesn't make it any less valuable. But science is rigid so that people can't do that. You know, astronomy, not science. Astrophysics, not science. You can't establish control and vary any of this stuff. Just have the humility. And Neil Disgrace, feel my bike Tyson, can't have the humility to just say that they're not doing science. Oh, trust the science. Hey, man, it takes a lot of time to demote a planet. Give the guy a break. (laughs) But I want to, before we run out of time in hour one, I want to get a couple of, of your points of view based on your research. So, do you feel like the idea of the 12 division year? goes way, 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 way back, like prior to Rome way back? Do you find examples of it that far ago? I don't find any examples right now. All I find is accounts. And that's why I'm not super gung-ho on astronomy right now. Because, you know, like when I first got into this, all the occult stuff I was around, especially in Hollywood, I really believe these people had like this serious power and all this stuff. But I'm not saying their measurement or their observations are incorrect they do know a lot of stuff. They can predict all the eclipses and all that shit. They can predict the comets when they're going to appear and all that. But again, I don't know, because when you look a couple layers deep, Crow, there's a lot of people who don't know a damn thing. And everybody's speculating. When I look into their history, they either come from these like Aleister Crowley fruit booter cults, or they something else that's not masculine. They don't actually come from old, like, give me an archbishop. I want somebody to break ranks with the friggin' actual priestcraft and start breaking the shit down. Until then, I don't care what people are watching on YouTube and all this stuff and calling themselves researchers. They're not. And nobody's breaking ranks. That's my problem. And that's my problem in general. So I don't know. I do think, like, is that account that I just read, sixth century? Well, some people say the first 300 years of Rome is astrotheology. So that starts in the eighth century. So even in that time of the so called founding of Rome, whatever, that would indicate it was a 12 house thing or 12, you know, division thing. But then you see the, the Dharmic wheel, right? Which is like the eight, eight divided in eight, you know? So, yeah. who, and I, and I, I have, um, 
you might actually really like this. Have you ever looked into, uh, I think it's Firmicus, Mathesios Libri 8. It's the last book. Is it Matthias? Did you say Matthias? No, Mathesios or Mathesios. Mathesios, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll text you after this, but um, that was the last book on astronomy or astrology, I should say, written before Rome was converted to Christianity. So like, even though there might've been like 12 signs, whatever there at was one point there's, it was eight houses. So there's definitely different things they've done and experimented with, but what's real in terms of like corresponding to nature, I can't tell you because I don't have access to those archives and I don't think anybody does anymore. Um, if they're in the Vatican library, I just don't think they would keep anything important in the Vatican library because everybody knows about it. I think shit would be hidden in places people would never think to look. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Yeah, I suspect it's there. And I suspect it's been there. And I've brought up the argument before. Well, okay, when the supposed Nazis or, you know, uh, the little French guy, Emperor Napoleon, marched over the world, why didn't they go into the Vatican basement and get the most valuable information in the world? It goes to show you the insider baseball that it was, but uh, you know, I talked to people like Fortune. They've had access um, to what's down there. It's freaking amazing. I don't even think they probably know there's so much down there. But setting that all aside, we've got a big problem. And you know, you said it earlier. Is it all fraud? Well, I I think that's the closest to the truth. I think that <laughs> I most. Not. I think most of the places that we assume we can stand to make assumptions are, like you said, man-made, synthetic. So they're an approximation of something, or maybe worse, maybe they're a hiding of something. But nonetheless, uh, we can see certain things in the world. Like when you go to India and see some of those temples carved out of a single piece of stone, or you go down to South America and wonder how could anyone lift that stone, nonetheless, get it to the top of a mountain, nonetheless, shape it and fit them the way that they've done. It tells you that there was a time to me, what that indicates is they were in tune with reality. That's what it means to me. Yeah. And, and why is the architecture the same as everything found in Italy and Greece? With the, that, There you go. There's a polygonal right? cyclopean. Well, this is another thing. Anybody, there's a lot of big channels out there and everybody should start putting them to the test and say, hey, why don't you refer to that architecture by the people who actually created it, the Phoenicians? It's called Pelagic, Pelagi. That's one of the arguments, though. People, oh, it's so people have, Yeah, they haven't settled. I think a lot of people haven't settled on it, and they're still wrestling. Like down in South America, they tell you it's all Inca. I mean, you can see some dude with a few stones stacked you know, on this yeah, like map. three layers and, and it's, it's all clearly they, Inca. Yeah. It's all Incan. So I think people are still arguing their way through that. I, I don't find that that's deception. I find that that's, you know, navigating a sea of lies. I think it is because a lot of these people are gatekeepers and they're the ones garnishing all the attention and they're all working with each other. And I don't, I hope I'm wrong, well, but the that, further that goes it goes on, on yeah. yeah. But the further it goes on, it's like, well, that's why nobody's really making progress because when you also look at their work, what do they always do? They try to cite the Bible and all these other things that are not historical documents to make their case. And that's what I have a problem with, given that uh, everything that's been exposed with that. So to me, what it shows is that there were probably large, maybe worldwide societies, for lack of a better term, uh, that were very in touch with the natural rules of this place to be able to do such things, which bend our minds so readily. To me, what it shows is a society like that 
is not going to be easily controlled because they're in line with the creation. And so that also underscores what places like the Vatican do. They're leading us all away from it. And that's why I begin to truly consider that most of where we're working from is fraud, is misconception, is based on things that we've heard for so long. We just assume they're probably correct. But nonetheless, it also points to the idea that if time is cyclical, we'll get back there again. And to me, the whole gatekeeper thing, yeah, I know it goes on. Absolutely. How do does this channel or this platform get all the traffic and this other one that's clearly much better gets none of it? And you're stuck at 200,000 views or whatever. We, we, we know the years, game, right? But that's nonetheless, that the, the days of this are limited. I mean, if the cyclical idea is true, if the idea for the creation of even Superman in the comic books was that every year we show up at the Olympics and someone breaks a record, shouldn't we hit a plateau where no one can break a record? It's not what we see. It keeps going and going. So the idea of that is someday there will be a Superman. That's part of the genesis of the cartoon character. But when we start to get to a point where we're speaking mind to mind, which I think is absolutely demonstrable, I think there are people that have done it in the past in our lifetimes. I think there are people that are doing it now. And I think there will be more. I think this is part of the reason for what they put in the water, the crappy food, the spraying of chemtrails, all with an effort to keep us from going. My point being, if there is a time when people are speaking mind to mind, lies like the ones we're talking about, they begin to fall away, right? And so it, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to, the level of fraud, but it is quite disturbing that maybe what we think is level ground is actually fraud. I just don't like when people don't have the humility to concede a point that someone makes. And for me, like when someone can make me recognize, like I've had kill a couple of my sacred cows over the last like couple of years. For me, it's like, I'm so grateful because it's like, oh shit, I need to recorrect this because I don't want to accidentally lead people astray. So I like scramble to correct myself, you know, and other people don't really have those standards a lot of times in these spaces because they're getting so much freaking money and views. Well, they don't, they'll, you know? they'll get there though, right? Maybe they're yeah. just not there yet. You know, this whole place, if we want to be honest, must be a boot camp, right? We're all learning. And, and it's like the old, it's like the old cliche, you know, we're all like lotus flowers. Some are down in the mud, some are halfway up, some are above the water and pure and beautiful and not a speck of mud on them. You know, that old cliche to describe, but it really is quite accurate about people. And I know in my younger life, I latched onto things so tight. I was like a dog with a bone was not going to let go of it. And I'm conscious of it. And I but tried. But that's not lying. Well, you didn't no. know it to be wrong and then still perpetuate it. I think that's uh, it reminds me of, it reminds me of Master Khan from Kung Fu, where he's telling the disciple Cain, you will never know the world that I know. And Cain says, well, how can that be, Master? There is only one reality. And Master Khan says, you're right, but you will never know the world. Do you see with my eyes? Do you think with my brain? Or something like that. He tells to him, and, and it's a good lesson because we look out at this varied landscape and we tend to assume that I'm a human being and I'm like this. So that human being over there must be just like me. And the truth of it is, that we're all in different levels. And even the very thing we're talking about, you know, is there any truth to the time of year you're born helps shape what kind of a individual you are? Is there any truth to that? Um, it feels like there is, right? I know certain plants that they all bloom in just this month, which means new plants that propagate are going to be in this narrow part of the year because that's when the seeds get spread. So I can see in nature the idea of it. 
Well, at the very least, in a certain circumstance like that, it doesn't matter whether it's imbued by the sun or whatever. Based on the time of year, you as a very as a, a baby first coming into the world are going to experience different seasons based on your location. So you're probably going to have a different many different life people if right. uh, it's warm many out, be outside, right? In the first like couple months of your life, it's nice and warm. Or if you're born into freezing winter, you know what I mean. That's going to shape you. So an example, be how big is example, Dylan? Look at the gender thing that's going on. There was no fraction of this when I was in my younger life, you know, my <laughs> it's teens, the one my thing. but that's done by example and social programming. Alex Jones nailed that. They're, they're putting chemicals in the water that are turning the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, there's that, but. Hey, real quick, before we end, remember how you were saying like with the, the saltier cross or whatever? Yep. What if. It, let's say that's true. And in, in the golden age, it does. The sun stays in that perfect area for a while and everything freezes around it. What, if everything was freezing, would do you think that would cause the water levels to like go down, which would make the seas easier to cross? Because that I mean, might it be, stands to reason, right? That if might be something that if happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that could be a way to describe it or yeah, I don't know. It's just something like if you, somebody can prove that, then what I suspect is true, Dylan, I think the prog clock and the many others that are now not with us show what I suspect is correct, where there is a big circle of livable land where it's arid or whatever you want to call it. Not, not too hot, not frozen solid all the time. And I think that big circle shifts within how the sun spirals and how the sky clock operates all of it. I think that's where I'm leaning towards now. Uh, I think it was demonstrated in things like the prog clock, which is why they were edited, burned down, why we have so few examples left. I have read they were much more commonplace at one point. Who knows for sure? But I'll go back after we do this. I want to reread, because I'm doing this from at least maybe three years since I read that from the Reverend Robert Taylor, but it stuck with me, and here's why. When he said goniometer, the first time I read it, I said, what the hell is a goniometer? I've never heard of that. So I jumped online. I'll do it right now. Watch, I'll do it right now. I'm going to look up the word goniometer. The G and the N are next to each other, right? The way it's, oh, actually, when I first did this, there were none. No, it's G-O-N-I, G-O-N-I-O meter. When I first did this, there was no example in a search return. Now there absolutely is even on Wikipedia. So there's your goniometer. So that's interesting. Now I have something more to look at than I did. Because when I first searched, I said, what the hell is this? I've never heard of it. And I couldn't look up an example easily. But now I can. I just did it right now. And there are examples. But my point is, when I pair off what the Reverend Robert Taylor was saying about certain things, and the same is true of Del Mar, the ideas surrounding the work that I continually do on the eras and the ages, because to me, that is the foundational birthright. To know something about the cycles and know where, where, where you are within the cycles is no damn different than being in the course of a year. What if someone made it so you could not possibly know you, where you were in a year or that the idea of a cyclical year even existed and all of a sudden you were frozen to death by surprise and you had to deal with that? That's about the way I view being lost in the cycles of ages and not knowing first what the ages are about secondarily where you are within those cycles. And that's why I spend so much time on it. Cause like right now, a lot of people feel hopeless, actually very smart people. I know we're, we're going to lose here, crow. There's nothing we can do to stop this onslaught. We're all going to be cat cattle in a digital cage and there's nothing we can do here. Well, I've 
I have a much different view based on my view of the cycles. Yeah, in the short run, this sucks. And could it suck worse? Yes, it can suck worse. As a matter of fact, if the, the controllers don't get what they're after, I imagine they'll do big events to try to further their agenda. It was shown in the Bond movies, right? The guys taking over the world were purposely blowing up cities. And they showed it uh, right in a movie that a corporation and others were conspiracy with one another to blow up cities to further their agenda and do things like this. I think, yeah, I think that's all in the offing. But in the long run, 50, 60, 70 years from now, I think this is a total fail. And I think that what we're experiencing now has to be. But the only reason that I can reason these possibilities is because what I know of cycles. And no matter what I knew or didn't know of cycles, I know one thing for sure. This too shall pass. That is a given. Night will not be here forever. Winter will not be here forever. When something terrible happens, it will, it will become a thing of the past. That's what's going on here. And one of the main powers of what you and I and everyone else listening to this are facing is the dire possibility that we could lose hope. Because the moment you lose hope, you've already lost the game. And that's, that's really why this matters. And I constantly bring up Pandora's box. Does everyone remember Pandora, the Greek myth? Which, by the way, I've had people tell me, oh, that's just stories told about the people who were in Atlantis. You know, well, I'm pretty sure there's no records of that. <laughs> but no, my no. point being, what was left in Pandora's box? Well, in most of the accounts, what is left is a very sentient thing to leave there that helps us now hope. All the terrible things of the world were released when that box was open in the myth. But what was left was hope. Why? Because as long as you have it, you have not lost. It's that simple. There's one of my favorite quotes about life. And it's kind of realistic, but it is true. And I forget who said it, but he said, everything I learned about life can be summed up to three words. It goes on. And so anyone who's worried about the future, don't. It's out of your control. What you need to focus on is what you can control in your life, which is namely your health. What should you be doing? You should be getting in the gym and lifting heavy weights. You should be eating right. You should be resting, going out in nature as much as possible. And what else can you focus on? Your skills and what you get good at in your craft. And so you should be focused on getting better and then focus on growing your business. Everything else is out of your control. So don't worry about it. Or if it's in your control, then that means you can do something about it. So don't worry about it. You know, like life is just going to go on. Don't lose hope. We're in a creation. And don't be afraid of conflict. This is the time to fight. How do you know you're not being tested? Only the strong survive. Those who want it are going to overcome all of this shit. And as you said, they're going to fail. No, no, no. They already failed. That's why they couldn't create a real freaking uh, Wuhan wiggle. It's all fake. It's psyopy, right? It's a <gasps> yawn, psyop. That's what we're dealing with. So just don't let your thoughts frighten you. Dang it all, Dylan. And here I thought the meek were going to inherit the earth. No, that, no, I hate We that. are the meek, but the meek are friggin' strong. That's what they're trying to tell you is the hard workers, the workers of America who are the best freaking people in the world, the industrious people actually make shit happen. The plumbers, the electricians, the people who actually build shit. They're the meek, but they're also the strongest, right? So don't give up hope, guys. My friend, tell folks where they can find your work. We've got to take a break and prep up for hour two. For sure. Everything that you want from me can be found at beacons.ai slash great tide. Everything will be in the show notes. And 
for those just re-listen to the first part of this for my offer, it's open to everybody. Now that I don't have to focus on my time so strictly for writing, I have a lot more time to, you know, give value to people. So take advantage of it. All right. There's hour one of episode 503. When we come back, we're going to cover all kinds of things. We may get into why or none of the pyramids, things like that, exactly the right lack of symbolic writing. There's a whole list of very interesting things here. We've gone through two pages of 25 pages. There it is. We're not going to get through all this. I can tell you that. Nope. Hour one is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W 777radio.com. Members know to log in. Members also get free access to the two-hour film, Shoot the Moon, that now has 10 awards covering my telescope work. With that, I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And I hope to see you over at the website as a member for the rest of this show and every show, all of them available to you. Back to episode one. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.